What's better than this? Guys being dudes. This podcast contains themes and language of an adult nature and is intended for a mature audience. Hello, it's the Sasquatch and thank you very much for tuning in to episode 8, season 3 of the Busted Barstools podcast. I am joined by the Chief of Controversy, it's the coach. How you How doing? Good. What we, Liverpool haven't played what this weekend, so that's no yeah, points lost, yeah. no points gained. Um, what a weekend of sport. Um, so much on. Um, what caught your eye? Um, the rugby, obviously, was one. I did fall asleep for the first 10 minutes of the second half, but I don't think I really missed a whole lot. Um, it was one of them games that it was probably a great result, um, but can do better would be the maybe the the grade you'd give it yeah yeah look I think we'll get to the the Six yeah. Nations later than further than the track um, I'll tell yeah, you one thing point. actually today that I I did have to watch a bit of because um, I miss his coach and that but it was, it was it's brilliant to, to report this that the Irish women's hockey team beat Team GB um, on GB turf as it was in Queen's University Belfast and they are the, the they are the champions. Uh, so. <laughs> that one that's highly controversial. And well, two, look, how did you introduce and, me? And 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 two, <laughs> two, but a lot of a lot of the players for Team Ireland are. It's not it's not the Republic of Irish team. It's Team Ireland. Similar to rugby. Yeah. So yeah, they wear orange on Sundays. Yeah. Anyway, uh, <laughs> but listen, look, we be, they, we beat the Olympic champions and we're going to an Olympic, so. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, and uh, and it's it's a great story not just for the sport of hockey in this country, but women's sport in general. They're they're one of us. They're a serious medal contender, and mm-hmm. um, hopefully Tokyo goes ahead because I not a hundred percent sure the ins and outs as to whether this is a golden generation or whether it's something building. And um, hopefully it's the latter and not the former, because if we don't get Tokyo out of the way, those players might have just naturally aged out by Paris. So, but look. Great news, women in sport headline. Um, Yourself, Sass, so, sports-wise? Yourself, oh, the NRL returned this weekend and it reignited a, a fantastic tradition where the significant other goes, you're not going to watch eight games this weekend. I look at her, I laugh. She calls me bollocks and we go on our weekend. Um, <laughs> so that was kind of pretty much my weekend. The Mighty Canberra Raiders kicked off the season with a win um, this morning. It's great to see. 20... 20 Five to 50,000 people in attendance every game by god it make you sick not sick but just envious I suppose that you look at the North London Derby today in another year that would be a full stadium full to the gills plenty of yeah. controversy action points that Ireland game maybe the standard of the actual quality on show wasn't great but the the game itself lended itself mm-hmm. to an incredible atmosphere Murrayfield is always phenomenal and then you've got f- Wales like travelling to France next week trying to win a Grand Slam and the Paris crowd could be phenomenal. It, it, like it's we're getting to that point of the year I feel where there's a lot of sports coming that in the past few years, well obviously the last year gone but in previous we'd be you know sweating for a bit of a point and, and like Cheltenham coming up and 
Does yeah. a, a bit of golf come back on the screens because it's getting into you know when people are probably missing the pubs now. We're missing even even the provincial side are doing so well throughout the Six Nations campaign as well. And just yeah. to get out to the RDS or to the showgrounds or wherever it might be, it's just yeah. uh, and the League of Ireland obviously kicking back this coming Friday as well. Like all these things that we probably t- well we did take for granted. And we're still talking about it a year later, but absolutely, people are itching no, now. I- I, I, I would firmly predict that 2022 will be a record for ticket sales and then 2023 will return to normal. Um, but, um, yeah, look, it's... Just especially when you see, like... like I was watching some games and I was like, here, am I actually watching live sport? Am I watching a game from two years ago? Like, it's been that long since I've seen a full house, packed stadium, no one wearing a mask, um, cheering, drinking beers... And I can't go fight gay from my house. So, yeah. look. A lot to get through this week. Yep. Um, so we will kick things off in the first half with a brief bit of reaction to the weekend that's been the Premier League and the Six Nations. And we'll have a stab at our new segment entitled Read All About It, where we discuss interesting headlines from the sporting week and the discussion around there. So, coach. Yes, sorry. Premier League, strange enough weekend. Um, obviously, just for for the record, we're recording this prior to the United West Ham game, and prior to obviously Liverpool playing Wolves on Monday night. But some some interesting results, big results for Leicester today. I feel um, not that's going to change much in terms of the title, but it was good for them to they've. They won their previous game, but form's been a bit mixed as of late. Yeah, a win, really, a loss, a draw. Yeah, they're they're, they're really quite similar. No, they're not quite similar to Liverpool, but in terms of the injury crisis, they they've got one going on too. Um, yeah, look, if they can, it, it's. I'm, I'm trying to think: Are they good enough, or do they have it there to stay in the top four? That's my thing. Like. That's my where I'm on the fence at the moment with Leicester. I'd love to see them do it. I love Leicester. I like Brendan Rodgers. I like the players. Um, Vardy, as much as we all like him, is probably coming to the end, mm. I would say. Um, I know he, he's just a, he's just a freak. Um, if you ever looked at his... I know there's been articles over the years about what he has before games and his two Red Bulls and his coffee and his chewing gum and whatever, but like, he has to be coming to... Like, he there was a be, phenomenal there's a phenomenal picture up from up on socials over the weekend. It was um him being interviewed while playing in the conference um <laughs> by a student at whatever uni was nearest. Do you know what I mean? Like it's just some girl with like a notepad yeah. and a pen and he's there in and this will throw it back to you. Do you remember the shuddies? The short Sh- with a hood. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So that yeah. shows you. <laughs> um yeah, but look, he's had an incredible career. He's. Uh, but do you yeah, think they have enough to keep to stay there, top four? I think they do, but I don't think they'll be where they are now. I think they. I. I see United and Chelsea overtaken by the stretch. I don't see Everton forcing a way in. Um, they're brilliant on the road, but they're not great at home, and um, which is strange. Um, Spurs again. I don't see them. David Chance. They're seventh, but I don't think. They can force into top four. I think they'll just cling on to top four. The issue for Leicester is always going to be squad depth. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Did I tell you, the that, st- for me, the standout result of the weekend 
Brighton beating Southampton. That's huge for Brighton. Yeah. Yeah, That's a big step in the right direction for them. Um, I know, listen to another podcast on Friday, they do a, a, a tipster. Tip of the week was was actually Brighton to to beat Southampton so you know that's a that's a big move for him 16 to 29 points I see Fulham getting out of there as well I think Newcastle could be in trouble you reckon Um, I just they don't have form Bruce he's in trouble he's had the the fight with Matt Ritchie Um, yeah I wouldn't like to see Newcastle as a big club go back to the championship but like Scott Parker's got form and he's doing a good job there at Fulham now, the only thing about Fulham is they've got six loanees and they're starting 11 last weekend. So, how as a loan... I don't know how that affects teams. Like, you know, that kind of... To be race. honest, though, I think I think that's part of the model, isn't it? Like, that's... Um, I remember when Swansea had come up from the championship, that was the advice they'd followed. And it's kind of been a bit of a roadmap going forward is you don't spend the year you get promoted. Because mm. if you get relegated... But the team that gets relegated from the Premiership basically gets more money than the team that gets promoted to the Premiership. Yeah. So you're better off not blowing that budget and saving. If you can, if you can stay in the Premiership, then you spend the next year. But if you don't, yeah, I, if, I do you've get got that, but the I, ability to rebound back up. I wonder how those players can fight to stay up. Like, why? Like, do they care? Like, obviously they're they're performing right now, which is fine. But you get into the the last ten, like. You're asking players that don't play, that, you know, have no affinity to your club really, to fight their ass off to get out of that yeah, last plot. The argument there is there is very few players in the Premier League that have an actual affinity to the club. Well, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. And maybe there's a few at Villa, maybe a few Birmingham homegrowns, Jack Grealish. Like, I mean, if you, if you went through each of the clubs. Have Man City got a homegrown talent there that bleeds Man City? No, yeah, I get you. But you would imagine, so say, take six from 11, the other five players want this. They need it. Do you know? Yeah. Whereas the six loanees, you're like, we don't really care. Like, this is not going to affect our bonus. (laughs) Yeah, but it is, it is, they are playing for a contract next year. Well, that's they're true. Playing, yeah, with the, they're playing to stay sides. in the Premier Leagues. They're playing to, to, to be playing Premiership football next year, and the financial, like, do you really like as cynical as this is? Do you really care what your players' motivation is coming from? Whether it's playing, whether it's money and career prospects, or whether it's the club. Like, I think that whole fighting for the club and bleeding for the club—it's gone. Like, it is. Mm. Sadly enough, but it is gone, and mm. it's money. So, you like, I to, guarantee yeah. you. You've seen his performances increase. Willian will be will be pivotal for us down the stretch of the season because he's coming to the end of his contract. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, yeah. It, it, look, he, Scott Parker's done an incredible job there. Like, I think. Yeah, but, no, I like, think there's a lot of potential there. I wouldn't be surprised to go, see them go down, but I wouldn't be surprised to, to see them stay up. And I wouldn't have said that at Christmas. I would have thought they were they were ironed on to go down. Do you, Sheffield do you think, United are gone. Do you think Burnley and Brighton are in that? race to go down now like, for me if you look at form and everything Fulham are probably ahead of Southampton Burnley Brighton will probably move up a couple of places Newcastle are in trouble I think it's between Fulham Newcastle Burnley Southampton I think Southampton could be in big trouble uh, yeah yeah. looking at the form grades they've, they've lost four of the last five and, and Danny Ings is, has, there's no sign of Danny Ings signing a new contract yet either 
Yeah. Um, you know, because Southampton, and as, as well, Southampton were top half of the table kind of for the first couple of months of the season mm-hmm. and, and they opened the campaign strong. I would say, yeah, I'd say Wolves, Wolves and up is safe. I'd say so, like Leeds are safe, I'd imagine. Yeah. Wolves, Palace, are, yeah, Palace are just a nothing team really, aren't they? <laughs> to be honest, every year they're just a nothing team. Sheffield United are gone, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, West Brom are like, gone as well. They deserve to go down after getting rid of, uh, oh, what's his name? Billy. Well, Sheffield United, that was, yeah, well, Sheffield United deserve to go down after getting rid of Chris Wilder. Do you think, Chris Wilder though, he definitely overspent it. He spent 27 million on Ryan Brewster. But I suppose... You could have got four players. Four players are going to keep you up for that. Yeah. Maybe yeah, four look, is an exaggeration this day and age, but I just I think mean, maybe really that's poor. Maybe that's poor, I mean, but maybe he was told to spend. And, like, it was like spent. Maybe, spent yeah. And, yeah. and he just they didn't have the money to buy the player that would make a difference and it was just spent. But, uh, yeah, absolutely. Like I mean, it shows you the quality of the squad they have that they didn't even get a dead cap bounce the weekend. Yeah, or shellacked five but million. it's it's that Sheffield one's a weird one because Chris Wilder brought them up from League One, so yeah. there's a like as we were talking about affinities, like players there do like you look at Ender Stevens, Johnny Egan, like George Baldock, the players that really grabbed them up and and got them up and and he they're they're you know they've acknowledged them on social medias and stuff like that. So I think it's one of them things they've we've come to the end of the line here. Like there's you can't improve us anymore. Like they finished ninth last year. Yeah, and we're a lot better than... COVID really messed them up, I think. Probably, yeah. COVID came at the wrong time for them. If they'd have finished the season, I think they would have finished a bit higher than ninth. And, jeez, they could have even finished in the Europa League as well. The way they were going. But, uh, yeah, um, we would be remiss not to mention the score. And it brought an awful lot of joy to my face. <laughs> which was Arsenal 2, Donald Hotspur 1-0. Eric Lamella with a moment of absolute genius and a moment of absolute stupidity in the same fixture. So, key talking points for that. Aubameyang dropped because he showed up late to the, to the Emirates. I'm happy with that as an Arsenal fan. Yeah. I have no major issue. Apparently, it's not the first time and outside of being a club captain, he's 31, like, you're th- you're an adult, like, sort your sh- shit out and arrive on time if you are working in a factory and there's a lot of people these days that have lost their jobs as a result of covid but if you were working in a factory and you showed up late twice you'd be gone yeah. um you'd be on the social welfare so arrive on time there's no reason not to bit silly to be honest mm. it's yeah it, look it's, it's a great result for arsenal marino did not look happy with lamella um getting that sent off like that really that's probably going to put Spurs in a bit of a tailspin, I think. Um, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know if it, it, it's kind of... to be. We are probably two nothing sides, to be fair. It's it's probably a race. Well, like I know Spurs are in seventh, but it, it is probably a race for Europa League spots for two two clubs. And Liverpool. Yeah, to be fair. Do you know what I mean? Like, if you look at... Where's upcoming fixtures? Bear me in one second. See if we can get that. Like if Zagreb, like during the week, second leg, they should go through that. Then we've got Villa, Newcastle, Man United, Everton. Yeah. The Newcastle one is the only one that's grabbing me as a win there. Yeah, 
but you gotta here's the one thing you need to throw internationals on top of that I know absolutely you don't know who's gonna come back with COVID like it used to be you don't know who's gonna come back injured now it's you don't know who's gonna come back injured you don't know who's gonna come back with COVID um, it's just a mess shouldn't be happening but look here we are yeah, so I mean, it, strange we ended enough with the Premier League. Obviously, I don't know. Just none, none of the fixtures really grabbed me as amazing. No. Leeds, Chelsea, nil all. Palace, West Brom, probably a big win for Palace. To be fair, big win for Burnley. Um, is Everton, and then City, smashed, smashed for them. Yeah, and United and West Ham at the moment, obviously. But any, it, it's a weird one. That's Sunday night kick off. Don't tend to watch them anymore. I don't know why. I think I, should, I kind <laughs> of shut off. Fair, when he, to be fair, he, a, a shout out to the social media team at Paddy Power. They had a tweet a few weeks ago. It was cracking. It was a picture of Jerry Armstrong, and it was like watching Premier League football at seven o'clock on Sunday. Strange. I should be watching La Liga. Jerry Armstrong, <laughs> Armstrong in his pomp. Ronaldo's still banging in goals for Real Madrid, and she still hasn't left. <laughs> <laughs> class um, their social media team is not paid enough but uh, yeah it's a strange time I, I think th- I think you lose I think they lose fans or they lose viewership definitely at that time like what are you going to watch tonight are you going to watch United West Ham if you're, not, if you're a neutral fan or are you going to watch the Players Championship or are you just going to watch normal mainstream TV box I think you watch yeah something like one of their mainstream you know, TV or Netflix or it's just do you know, you know what I mean Particularly if you have a, a significant other, like, well, sports is over now, you know. Yeah, yeah, you've had your eight NRL games this weekend. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, yeah, but look, we at least we have a Monday night game that's watchable this week. Because a few of the Monday night games have been no kind of top four side and this <laughs> still the, not this a top four side. <laughs> see, I think, I, think, I think you lose. And this is, I asked a question a few weeks ago about saturation and stuff like that. I, yeah. I do think when you don't have any clashes in terms of timetable and you televise every single game mm. you realise you realise the power of that 3pm kick off on a Saturday just throw in them games and no one really wants to watch as a neutral the hardcore fans want it but they'll go pay the tickets but uh, yeah there, there's a lot of them drab affairs this Sunday night can be can be a, a dodgy one too as well uh, for a fixture sometimes yeah it's um, supply and demand isn't it simplicity like it's that's all yeah. it is there's way yeah. too much supply and way not enough demand. <laughs> Present, you know. yeah. Look, um, when we stick a pin in the Premier League, obviously there's loads of football coming this weekend. It's Champions League again and Europa League this week as well, isn't there? So, yeah. look, when we stick a pin in it, um, and we'll move on to the Six Nations. Obviously, the serious matters. Yeah, let's 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 cover Saturday first and then we get on to the Irish, the Irish uh, performance. Let's call it that. Um, today, so Wales, Italy, as expected. Wales pretty much vaunted over Italy. I ended up watching this game on Virgin Media, and the topic of conversation was literally about Italy. And what I don't often agree with Matt Williams, it was he did sum it up. He was like, "Look, the problems in Italy are systemic. They're they have issues that they're not addressing, and you can." throw the best manager in the world there and it's not going to work and I think we've touched on this before like they really need mm. a 10 year plan or it's not going to change and I don't I don't get it because you look at some of the flair and the intensity they can bring to association football 
I don't see how that hasn't. I think rugby would attract that kind of Italian aspect to it, and they could be successful there, like a la an Argentina, like yeah. kind of the way the Argentinians play the game. But I just don't, I just don't know where they're going, and I think they probably need to be taken out of the Six Nations. They probably need. But, see, this is the thing for me, and I don't disagree. Like, why, if we take them out of the Six Nations, are we losing a rugby nation? Like, did I go? Did I go to pot? Like, see, this this kind of model has been lobbied a while, and I think it's actually probably now. There's there's a lot of stuff that's maybe lobbied in rugby ten years ago, that probably now needs to come into play. So, they lobbied a, a trapdoor system. So you have there's a B six nations basically that's mm. always played anyway. I forget the name of it, but like you have George, Romania, these countries, and they're improving. But they could win that championship five years in a row, and there's no next level for them. So. You insert a trapdoor, the team that finishes bottom of the Six Nations and the team that finishes top of the Six Nations B switch places for the next season. Right, yeah. So 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 maybe Italy go down and maybe maybe they don't win the B championship the next year. But they have but they they've won four or five games. You know, like they're just getting shellacked every week. So like it's very hard to compete in that environment where it's lost, lost, lost. You're not getting any form or any anything behind you. No, and, I can, and you've been... It's very hard to inspire young people to take up a sport where they know they're going to get better every week. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just... Yeah. And, like, the the likes of Georgia and Romania are improving. So they probably need... And, look, maybe they'll get shellacked. But they won't it's last. They'll go back down the next year, like... Out of you interest, because I missed that conversation on Virgin, but uh, did Ian McKinley, I know he was on the panel, but what was his kind of view? On, yeah, on he was he, he was of he was of the ilk, and I do I do like listening to McKinley. I think he's a, a very intellectual bloke, and he's a brilliant opinion on rugby, he's very well spoken. But yeah, similar to that fact, like he was saying, like a lot of the Italian players, and I probably probably not too aware of this, but he was saying a lot of those players aren't even starting with Treviso and Zebre, like. There's players coming in to play with Treviso and Zebre. They're obviously not Italians. Alayamani Ioane, who's yeah. now qualified to play for Italy. And they're getting the player places above. So there's a huge step up between sitting on the bench for Pro 14 and then playing international rugby. Yeah. And he says, that's generally the problem, is that, like... He says, when you look at me, like, he says, like, I played in Treviso for how many years? He's like, I could never really play. Now, he did play for Italy in the end through residency. I could never really play for Italy, so why wasn't an Italian fly half start when you've got two professional rugby clubs in Italy? Mm. Do you know? And, and what, like was, so his, his theory is just because, well, we think Irish players are better, effectively, or Australian or whoever they're coming from. Basically, yeah. yeah they're trying to compete in the pro. Like, it's 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 not Bennett and Zebra's job for Italy to be competitive in the Six Nations. It's their mm. job to be competitive in the Pro 14 and Champions Cup or Challenge Cup whatever but yeah I just don't know where Italy goes from here like they've had phenomenal managers you look at you they, they've had like Conor O'Shea's not a bad manager Nick Mallett's a genius and has achieved a lot in the game like where are they gonna, gonna go I just don't know where they're gonna go I just like Italy joined the Six Nations in the year 2000 they're in. They're they're vaguely regressed from where they were in the thousand. Like they had a few years where they were they pre the two Bergamascos. 
they could compete. They'd still get shellacked every once in a while, but they were competing a bit better than they are now. Like they're just, they're yeah. just not competing. But uh, yeah, look, Wales on for a grand slam. Um, brings us to the next fixture. Obviously, they're traveling to France. Incredible game between England and France. I must oh. say, if you were if you were ever someone who. I'm not saying not a rugby fan, but if you if you were to watch a game as a neutral sports fan, that was the game to watch, wasn't it? It was just oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah, no, brilliant game. Like the French flair is on show. Like arguably, the, arguably France were robbed, but it's the beauty of the championship. And England hung around long enough. Mario told you it's phenomenal. I don't, I, I thought, jeez, I don't care anymore. Like a lot of lads have said, oh, he's actually not that great. He's overhyped, but no, he's his attitude is second to none. He was exceptional. And let me tell you this now: if Jamison Gibson Park gives a kicking performance from the base of the rook like he did today I told you he's going to have a field day next week yeah he's going to have an absolute field day do so you I, think we do you think um, we can play against the weaknesses of a told you? like in terms he gives away a lot of penalties but is that just coming from um, ring rust if you want to call it that like is that just because the level they're playing at and they hadn't played in so long beforehand or is it literally just is it there an issue there is there a, you know... I think there's a ring rust issue there. I, and I don't get the logic of... Not alone have you picked Farrell. You're playing him at 12. It's not his natural position. He's not playing club rugby. Like, it's okay to bring him off the bench. To seal games out. Like, I don't... Like, I, I think he could be... Like, Tuolagi's playing well in, in the Premiership. I don't know why you wouldn't start him at 12. Mm. He's not even in the panel. Um... It's a strange one in set up at present. I don't think it's anything too sinister that's going to hamper the World Cup in a few years' time. Um, but at present, it's it's just a strange, strange year for everyone. To be fair, very strange year. Like, bear in mind, this English side was phenomenal in the Nations Cup as well, just before Christmas. So, yeah, the French side is phenomenal. Like, they're the European All Blacks. They they play with that, as you said, flair they're, and that, they're, that the, quickness they're and sharpness. DuPont the has rugby's, to be rugby player of the year. Like, he's just... The rugby's Harlem Globetrotter as a present. That yes, try yeah, with yeah. the pass from Yalabert. Oh, give me that every day of the week. Um, that was, was a joy to watch. And I, I wonder what impact the having COVID for the Scottish game has had. Obviously, the impact of COVID on the individual players, but you're looking at players who've been isolating for the last three weeks. Even the Scottish players got to play club rugby because COVID wasn't in the Scottish camp. But those French players mm. wouldn't have been able to play club rugby. They basically played two games back to back and then haven't played in for a month. So you wonder what impact. It wasn't too obvious, but maybe they would have won if they had an issue with COVID. Yeah, like yeah. It's 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 interesting. I'm I'm trying. I'm just sorry. In my head, I'm I'm weighing up. I know we haven't got the Ireland game yet. I'm wondering how. What do you do like against England? Like what way do you like? Do you play James and Gibson Park? Do you like? And well, look. While we're on it, we may as well move on to the Ireland game. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, we have we. You go back a few weeks and we haven't really learned anything. Like we're still playing Sexton. Okay, we may have found. In, in in Gibson Park, we may have found an alternate uh, scrum no, half. Haven't. No, we haven't. Yeah, well, <laughs> but by no means am I saying is he the best option around them. But it seems as Farrell has probably settled on him. 
because um, he said in his pre-match that he offers something different to Murray, which he definitely does, no doubt about it. But I don't know if it's good enough. Um, but you see, the the like Gibson Park's success at Leinster is coming on with twenty minutes to go, and because he does have a good sniping game around the base of the rock. Not debating that against the tyrant defence, but the effects of that are negated when he starts because he's fatigued from defensive fatigue. So I, I just don't see it, and I, I don't know what Craig Casey did wrong. Um, followed up a like a, a good good performance against Italy. I know he didn't play the full game, but good performance against Italy with a with a strong performance for Munster against Connacht. So I don't know what he did wrong. Um, yeah, it, it's a really funny one, that, isn't it? And then Murray on the bench, like, if like, this is the thing that that directs my head, if he's if he's not fit to start, he shouldn't be on the bench. I don't like this whole oh we'll, we'll ease him back in. No, it's international rugby. You pick players that can play eighty minutes because there could be an injury in the first five. Yeah, like you see in Scotland today, the the flank went off injured and they had to bring on their their sub nine to play flanker. <laughs> but yeah, he quit himself well, but yeah, yeah, do you know. But the other thing, like Scott, but Scotland, by the way, fair to use them. They they're playing incredible stuff, like Finn Russell and um, he's a head hog, like. He's a headbanger. Oh, 100%. He, he, he had a Billy Barnes moment. Had a Billy Barnes moment there as well. But you're either... You're either getting a 10 out of him or you're getting a 2. Do you know what I mean? He's not a... He's not going to give you an 8 every week. <laughs> yeah, but the, the problem with Finn Russell is not that not that you're getting a 10 or a 2. It's that you you don't know which half you're getting it in. Well, yeah. Yeah, do you know what I mean? <coughs> he's not... Like, he, he can swing wildly. Ah, look, he, he's, he's a bit of creative flair, which is... Something Scotland probably never really have had this kind of Maverick style fly half. I don't know how well it works for him. I think Stuart Hogg is a is a phenomenal captain. He he, did, he was wrong, like, but the chat he had with Roman Poit today is, mm. is like what you see in captain getting in the referee's ear, dictating the the game. In terms of where Ireland are going, I've said this a few times before. There's so many passes behind the man, and so mm. many like busted plays. It's as if they don't know what's going on. As if there's no real game plan. You look at the box kicks from Jamison Gibson Park in the first half versus the second half. Like I don't know how many went out of charge down. There was no forward in blocking from. There's a play in the first half. Johnny Sexton is running across the field. And he looks as if he's going to give a switch pass to Hugo Keenan. But Hugo Keenan doesn't run that line. So there's one or two things that's happened there. Either he's called it and Hugo Keenan has no idea what he's calling. Because of the yeah. line he runs. Or Sexton has just picked the ball and gone across field and gone, well, he should know what I'm doing. Which, either case, doesn't work. Just all the... Pa- I don't know why Gary Ringrose all of a sudden thinks he needs to kick every ball. Because he's not famed for his kicking game. Ringrose, Ringrose he was a shadow Poor. of himself today as well. Yeah. Poor, but the thing with Gary Ringrose is he's always going to be a player that reflects how the side is going. Mm. If, the, if the squad is flying, Ringrose is the cherry on top. If we're in the doldrums, he doesn't seem to know what he know what to do. I thought Henshaw was good today. I really thought he was good today. Tyke Byrne, phenomenal. Tyke Byrne is your argument for scrapping the central contracts. That man had to go to Clinton Scarlet's to come mm-hmm. back. So like, send your players out across Europe. Let them learn something about themselves. Let them, let them develop elsewhere. You don't need to develop in the four provinces to be an international quality player. 
uh, it's a personal gripe, but right, Gallagher over Herring every day of the week. Yeah, I do, I don't know where we're going, and I'll tell you we're going there fast, even though we don't know where we're going. But just <laughs> we just have to sort out the whole ten problem either. No, and look, and look, that's fine, but it's it's the structure of the side that's it's really starting to irk me. Like, like these players every week in the Pro Fourteen will throw a pass in front of the man and let him run onto it. But the minute they plan an Irish shot to pass the behind them, they're all over the place. It's messy. Like the last three minutes there when we were up, oh, I gave some partnership kicking. Like, no, but it was you, like he was he. To be fair to him, he was looking back for direction. I don't know if you noticed that. He'd look back. And and that's, he kept some, that's some. So that's I don't know where it was coming from. That's a side that's not. So much. That's a side that's not structured. The playing doesn't. They're lacking leadership or something like that. Like, that's a that's forwards ball all day long. It's been a. Hmm. Manky day. There's been so many spill balls. Look, and Ronan Keller, <laughs> to be fair, pushed Gibson Park out of the way and just took a pick and go. Yeah, so but that's what know, needed yeah. to be done. But uh, I do think I will be launching an official campaign on the back of that performance to have the hot step or Tiger for long. <laughs> that footage replacing the Angelus videos that to be on just before the six one. So it's the, the gong to Tyke Furlong <laughs> just stepping around the Scottish defence on a loop. Um, what a player. Yeah, look, it's, it's again, we don't leave an Irish game with any more answers as to where this side is going. Potentially more the backroom staff needs to go. I think, like, Simon needs to be there a long time. Do you know, there's a... It's it's strange. It's just a strange, strange Irish squad. The selection is strange. There's a few players that, like in his defence, didn't have a bad game, but I just I I I think as a pack, I'd rather have James Ryan and Tyke Byrne in the second row. As phenomenal as Tyke Byrne is, I think that mobility from a second row position. Plus three back rows is is would be phenomenal for us. But Will Connors as well, he's an absolute dog, an absolute yeah. dog for work, and he's phenomenal. The tackle just before Scotland scored the, the try, the last try, the day scored, mm-hmm. that tackle in the corner is phenomenal. Obviously, you couldn't tackle. James Lowe could James. not tackle. James Lowe couldn't tackle. Hugo Keane missed an awful lot. Of tackles there was this weird thing Keith Earls kept doing as well where he stepped out when there was kicks down him, really. yeah it was really strange I, I, a back tree probably is, is a huge worry as well moving forward There's a, I don't a see debate, an awful lot in Earls a debate had in the in our in our in our what friendly whatsapp group um, Hugo Keenan does he make the lines or is it just all he no. everything's fell in place no. from at the right time Hugo Keenan? Yeah. No. Who who would... Like, I'd put Halfpenny or I'd put... Uh, yeah, oh yeah, but would, you, would, you go, would, you, would you go as a, a utility? No. No, I don't. I don't think he's a fullback. So, you, you, which Irish players go on the line store as of today? Can you count them on one hand? Uh, I can... There, there's... <laughs> I don't know what Irish backs are going. 
Well, look, a lot he, of Irish forwards are probably going. But I don't know what. Like, would you bring Henshaw? Would you bring Ringrose? If you're picking on form, you're not picking them. If you're picking them because of what you know you can't, they can do, you probably will yeah. get more Irish players in that squad. But Like, Sexton's going, isn't he? He thinks so, but... Murray's hmm. going. Unfortunately. Hmm. But it's, Maybe. It's a weird line to work because it's almost... Well, for the Irish players, it's almost their... It's almost their way of goodbye, isn't it? It's... It's... You would imagine... It's finally around for, for a lot of them, I'd imagine. Yeah. It's it's very... It's just... It's a... I'd rub the minute. It's just a... It's in a strange place. Like... like and, and here's the... Here's another argument for the... Sending your players... Not having these central contracts anymore. Because... The Welsh players that are on form... Are playing in the Premiership. Mm. Lewis Rees Samet... Callum Sheedy... They're playing in the Premiership. They're, or they're playing in France or like Lee Halfman. I think Lee Halfman is actually back in Wales. But okay, I, I I think I think Roby need, needs to finally move to global. I know a lot of this is because of it only went professional in 1995. But I do think it's it's time to embrace global transfers and global rugby. And if you're playing if you're playing good rugby in France, do you know what, Simon? Let's have you at fullback. Yeah, and that's it's a funny thing because it's not as if number one, it's not as if they're going to be massive transfer fees, and number two, it's not as if you're travelling across the globe. Like you're not playing in San Diego yeah. and come back to play it's, for it's Ireland. It's really strange. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's all it's 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 pretty. Now a few players might go to the Southern Hemisphere, and that probably poses more difficulties with different seasons and stuff like that. Yeah, but if the players going to play in France. It's the same as the French players, so it'll be it'll the be the issue? end of it'll be end of Leinster and Munster competing in Europe. Eh, I still don't know how how fully I agree with that. Like, like you look at Leinster, the sides they put out, like there's oftentimes where they'll put out a team of young fellas. Yeah, but I don't think they compete in Europe. Like, Maybe if you not. take Leinster's team now, you get a Racing or whoever has big big bank account. They're gonna take your start, and you're gonna hit three or four year. Well, maybe, like, and then someone maybe else they, take the other three or four. Maybe they just reduce the number of central contracts. Mm. As in, so you're locking up your ten key players for Ireland. If but, it was me at twenty, somewhere between say twenty four and thirty, you're definitely gonna you're definitely gonna pick a French contract, aren't you? Or, or a somewhere sunny. Maybe. Um, maybe you've lived in that South Dublin bubble your whole life and you don't actually want to leave it I'm getting a bit like you and McKenna there aren't I? I'm not actually <laughs> trying to be like that but I'm I'm just saying like if 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 you're a Limerick lad and you've lived in Limerick your whole life you've gone through the school system there you've, 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 you're making your dream of playing for Munster do you really want to leave Munster? yeah you know you've got all your mates there your family's there like it's rugby money it's not yeah, true. But if you live in a caravan, they could probably move to France anyway. <laughs> who's that? Who's that? Digger? <laughs> Any of the Limerick players? <laughs> Jesus, I think that's be that right there. Well, look, why don't we? I suppose part. I tell you what. I tell you, really you before you crack on, give me three players, quick fire, three for players, yeah. three players on merit that make the lines. Irish players, go. On merit, I think CJ will go. Okay. I think Tyg will go because he's the best Tyg head prop in the world. Okay. And I think Tyg Byrne. Tyg Byrne's a smoky. 
I think James Ryan will go, but I think Tyke Byrne could also go. That's that, not good. They're three players. Well, who who would you who what what back would you bring? No, no one. There's no one you could safely go. Yeah, they they deserve their spot. Maybe, maybe Henshaw just on consistency, but that's it. He he's gonna do a job for you. He's gonna and do a consistent a job for you, but he's not gonna stand out. Yeah, that's an important. But then you'd argue looking at the home nations. There seems to be a, maybe this is a wise statement, but it, there seems to be a, like a lack of quality at the centre positions. Like you look, look at Wales, like George North is playing centre for them. Like it's seems to be a bit of a lack of quality at the centre position in general um, in the home nations. So look, look. When we take a quick break and return after a quick word from our sponsors. Hey everyone, it's the Sasquatch here from the Busted Barstools podcast. This episode is produced in partnership with our friends, the Square Ball, located just off Marion Square. Doing it rough at this moment in time with the pandemic, so make sure to give them a follow on Instagram, give them a like, give them a share, and hopefully someday soon we'll all be able to get back in for barbecue, pints and sport. Hello and welcome back to part two, episode eight, season three of the Busted Barstools podcast. We're going to try something a little bit different this week. So we have brought to you a segment and called Read All About It. So basically it's, but myself and the coach have two headlines from the sporting week that's been and we're going to discuss it and kind of break it down a little bit and kind of see what talking points we're going to take from it anyway, I suppose. It'll become a bit clearer as we, we rifle on. We're, we're very much off the cuff here, I think. Anyway, I suppose I'll go first. So the first headline I've brought to you is, it's from The Athletic, and it's, Why is he here? Ex-Dodgers owner Frank McCourt, Marcel Rain, features a riot and another mess. So I suppose most of us will probably be aware that there was a riot and that occurred in the training facilities of Olympic Marseille in late January. It resulted in a postponement of their fixture and several thousand euros worth of damage. It is very much, however the culmination of months of frustration between fans and the owner of Marseille, Frank McCourt. Fantastic article and plenty of insight into the current start state of play in Marseille, but the bit that kind of got me thinking, it's actually I actually would totally recommend this, angle, this article because there's loads of facets on the importance of Marseille and all fast society, and the football club dictates everything from politics all the way down. It's a bit like... Now the seasons of the wire are done on this and different facets of society. Very good. But anyway, Frank McCourt is a really interesting one because Marseille was owned by Louis Dreyfus, who was the former CEO of Adidas, multi-billionaire, until he passed away in 1996. He left it to his wife, who had little interest in investing in the playing staff. And she held possession of Marseille until 2016 when she sold it to McCourt for a measly, and I mean measly, 45 million euro. Which when you think about that for, for a sporting organisation, that's minimum money. But it's the story of how McCourt got the money that really caught my attention. So McCourt, by trade, is a real estate agent. But he very luckily came into the possession I say came into possession of the LA Dodgers, one of the one of the 
most important franchises in American sport. In 2004, Fox Corp were the owners there. But they wanted out of the ownership of the LA Dodgers so much that they sold the LA Dodgers to him for 24 acres of Boston-based parking lots. Approximately $145 million. He owned the Dodgers from 2004 to 2009 and led him to bankruptcy as a result of an extremely lavish lifestyle in which he, his wife, I think, had a stay-in hairstylist on six figures. But the lavish lifestyle was funded by credit card debt based off future season tickets as collateral. The details of which came to result uh, came to light sorry, as a result of nuclear divorce with his former wife. His wife. The situation was so bad that the major league got involved to save the Dodgers from disappearing from the major league baseball landscape. And somehow, McCourt was bought out for two point one five billion dollars by Guggenheim Group. So we've seen how like explosive it was in L.A. He was allowed by Marseille, and I suppose the question that posed for me is. Do we need a new set of rules regarding sports franchise ownership? Should mo- money alone be the only deciding factor? What do you think? Um, the problem, so I've been, uh, what I know of anyway, I know in the EFL, they have um, kind of a process or a, uh, what would be the word for it? Where they have a tick box basically. Where you sit down with the EFL and it's it, is it the good and willing owners checklist type thing and you know they've got this much money in the bank this is their history this is their credit card history blah 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 and you have to basically you know tick every box to be allowed to own a club um the problem the problem with this is how does it transfer internationally because we've seen this happen with businesses not sporting business but business in general like it, there's loads of stories like of, of things like that. How does it transfer? I don't know. Like, do we need a WADA style? Um, you know, is it is it is it the European Bank? But like, what is it? We need some some sort of umbrella that it all falls under. You know, um, we absolutely do need something because, like, what happens now? Yeah, like, what happens like, with Marseille? Like, there's just it's it's an absolute mess. Let me tell you, there's. They've asked an awful lot of questions of them. And look, they're asking the same questions the Dodgers were asking. Like, the Dodgers were asking the question, does this man actually know baseball? They're now asking the question again, does this man actually know football? And yeah. He doesn't. <laughs> and it, but it's like, why is he in Marseille? What was the motivational factor? Was it just because they were so cheap? 45 million. You win the Euro minutes, you can buy Marseille. Yeah, it, it's, it is a funny one because those clubs, they're turnover in a year. Must be more than that. It yeah, it's a really really strange. I think she basically the from what I got from the story is the lady that had owned it just wanted an out quick. Um, yeah, like we've seen it before with clubs that carry that are carrying debt. We've seen loads of clubs that are carrying debt. Even in Ireland, we've seen it with clubs that are carrying debt. You know, you buy a club mm-hmm. for a euro and all that sort of stuff. So, I suppose it's not unusual to get a club at a cheap price, but that. Given the history and everything, it's weird. Like Americans are funny, right? In that, a lot of Americans, and if we if we have any listen to the show, please correct me if I'm wrong. A lot of Americans think the world outside of, you know, the states, don't know who they are. Like it's just a different world away. They think I'll arrive in France and no one will know who I am. I can buy something out. Of, like my history. They all, well, they they also think know? Europe's a country, as opposed to a continent, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. But um. 
Yeah, look, and it kind of got me thinking as well. Like, it's not just the ability to run a business. It's the ability to... A sports business is a bit different, but it's also... How do they get the money? As in, there's been certain ethical questions asked of a Roman Abramovich. Of maybe the tactics used to get that money. At what point are we running the danger of a sporting organisation? Maybe not your premiership clubs, but maybe your leagues 1, your leagues 2, being used as a source of money laundering. Yeah, you know, yeah. if we're not asking the question of where this money has come from, as opposed to oh, he has the money, that's fine. But uh, but and another another thing is um, yeah, I can't remember what I was gonna say. <laughs> that's a bad one. Story, I got I a couple of knocks in the head. Um, yeah, it, I don't know. It, it, I don't know where it goes because something does have to be done about because there's so many like America's to me, seems a lot more structured in how to be an owner and how you can, whereas you get into Europe and the UK and it's kind of a free-for-all. A little bit. It feels a little bit like yeah. a free-for-all. We've seen it before at the rugby club. There's, there's just in so France much. And in, in the premiership and stuff. like. And also, well, like, the part I don't get, like, see see your, your man there and he's owning the Dodgers. How, who decides, like, the profit, say Dodgers make 100 million in profit this year. How much of that does he get and how much has to be put back into x y and z within within the organization and like where does that break down i, I presume it's in it's in the i would imagine it's a, it's a case of he gets a percentage like because once he owns 51 percent, he owns the, the organization so okay yeah, so he owns 51 percent, and they bring in 100 it, million it, it depends on depends on the overheads well the profit is after the overheads. so what investment did that i don't think there's any in in a soft cap or basically a sport where so, there's no real salary gap there's no real necessity for an owner to reinvest the profits into the club so does he is he Do you know he what I mean like, if, if something, it's kind of drilled in our heads he gets 51% he of the profit he owns a bit more I think to be fair but no but I'm just as an example if you if it was 51% he's entitled to 51% of the profits yeah like we're is very much simple? used to in massive investments in, in football and look yeah. someone who's better understand the business please get involved but uh, there's no we're kind of used to the, with the Premier League of spending spending we make money spend money but there's no actual requirement on the owner to reinvest all that money into the squad yeah like it can simply be a money generating ownership idea it's one of my fears about Stan Kroenke um, at Arsenal especially when you look at how his other organisations are run that I like you can't vote out an owner <laughs> you can't sack an owner do we need greater control of who our owners are in sport I suppose it's the takeaway message yeah maybe maybe there's a business plan we can put together to yeah, to monitor I don't, yeah. I, don't, I don't think us personally can do anything but I would have fears of the future and Who's going to be owning our sports teams? Yeah, it's yeah, it's a good story. It'd be great to keep an eye on that one for for listeners. Just to keep an eye on that whole mm. where that goes. Because again, he's, you know, you them French clubs come, can be dangerous, fans wise. Like yeah, uh, Marseille in particular. I think mm. uh, as part of the ownership, he has to meet the Lord Mayor of Marseille once a month to discuss on-field performance and its effect on politics. 
Wow. So that shows you how heavily involved, how important he'd, it is be, to that city. He'd be coming back with no fingers. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, look, coach, what's your first headline for the week? So, you've heard of Bitcoin. I, I trust. Have. You have heard I of have. Bitcoin. Good. I have. I don't have it. And all its many other forms of, all these many other forms of um, cryptocurrency. cryptocurrency. So, uh, something popped up in the last few weeks, probably since it's really come into um, public knowledge, I suppose, since December. Roughly when it's really hit the screens of the United States and it's kind of pushing its way into Europe now. And this is called Top Shot. Have you heard of this? Top Shot. Vaguely, yeah. Vaguely. Yeah, Top Shot is effectively... So, it, it, it's a partnership um, that the NBA have where they sell... I'm trying to phrase this the best way possible. In fact, I think I screenshot you a, a description of, of how to... Um, describe it it's it's a tough one to to wrangle i suppose and get your head around effectively you can buy a clip from an nba game or of a given player and you own that clip and no one else owns that clip and the clip can also not be so it's not like a cd that could be burned or it's not it's 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 unique to you and your purchase it's similar to an artwork so behind you you buy you buy the clip and and you own that clip. And if you decide, if I decide to send sell that clip to you, you then own it. And it, in its background goes, you know, uh, the coach sold that clip to so on, so on, so on, on this date for this price. So it, it keeps gaining money. It has a serial number. Um, and it's, it's non-fungible, if that makes uh, sense. So the real allure of the NBA Top Shot is what it's named. Um it's an online marketplace where you can buy and sell moments. Moments. That's the word I was looking for. Moments. Moments of the game. Um, so it's like eBay where you sell basketball cards. But that's probably the best way to think of it. Um, it's but, Go on. What's to stop that moment mm-hmm. being used by a major television network in a pre-game hype video? Or to that effect? See, and, or blokes making NBA YouTube montage videos yeah my understanding is it's to do with camera angles and stuff like that as well so for example you can take a full basketball game and stick it on YouTube it'd be illegal but you could do it but these individual moments you won't be able to so for to, to give you an example Jake sorry Jack Settleman um, bought LeBron uh, LeBron James dunk on January 1st okay Um the sale of that so he bought it for $400 so all these moments are worth different prices so for example that LeBron one was $400 for a dunk one went last week for $69 and it was for a Bismarck Biombo's uh, moment um, it, for the Hornets it's, and I'm pretty sure that moment that he bought is just a clip of him yeah, dribbling yeah, and it was $69 um, but this in, this particular moment I'm talking about now uh, Jack Settlement buys for $400 on January 1st. So Christmas money. This is what I told you. It was kind of getting a little bit of momentum. Um, so the sale of that. He sold that on the Thursday. For $32,223. Like that's an eight. Just just for your head. That's an increase of 80,457.5%. 
on your on his investment. It seems um, it seems like it's going to be the next football index. It's a bit of a yeah. Look, look, this guy Jack Sediment is actually in, internet famous. He's got YouTube and stuff like that. But his his basically plan. He he put up a whole thing of of, of another dunk that he got of LeBron, which and his it's um it, it's he bought it. I'm gonna say he bought it. He waited to buy it till it was um number twenty three. So he bought it as with the number 23 in its um in its in unique code and basically he's gone online to say that he's he's um it's it's the kobe tribute dunk do you remember that mm. this is a there's a clip of of um of lebron doing a kobe tribute dunk he bought this individual jack settlement insta famous or youtube famous or whatever bought that clip for forty seven and a half thousand dollars at serial number 23 okay so forty seven and a half thousand dollars he's openly said that his aim is to sell that clip for a million dollars to LeBron now LeBron hasn't acknowledged this yet however he has already been priced out LeBron's been priced out of the game he's been offered 1.2 million for it um, so it's not a crazy reality that people get this money because they are getting it but what I want to know from you is how long does this last and is it transferable i.e. to the Premier League or to Six lasts about a year. It sounds absolutely nuts. Now I'll probably have egg in my face and it last till the end of time, but like what drives up the value of the token? People wanting it. It, it look, I t- I tell you what Supply the best actually, the best way well, yeah, but the best way to put it is if you have a basketball card or a Premier League card, that can easily be swapped and obviously and it can be copied, it could be photocopied. If you get a good printer, they can probably probably make a good copy. But there's also one per pack, or there's probably how many ever copies there is. These are individual and unique to you. They're like pieces of artwork that contain, when you buy it, it contains its history, its transfer history. So you're, yeah. it's a, you're buying a piece of merchandise almost, but it's electronic. But you're, all, but you're also buying a piece of merchandise that can be viewed in 20 different angles for yeah. free. Yeah, so but you own one individual. What? Yeah, I just, I don't... I don't see the value in it. If I'm gonna, if I'm not gonna lie, maybe I'm wrong, but I think well, once I've seen the fucking game, I'm I'm happy out. <laughs> do you know what? I I don't know. Maybe that's a, a simplistic way of looking at things, but there's certain moments in sports that you remember anyway. But if you just jump onto YouTube, you'll watch it again. And what good is this token? It's just trading again. It's just another way of trading the, of stuff that you never actually hold. I'm not a like, huge investor. I'm not a huge Bitcoin, uh, Bitcoin cryptocurrency stock market trader because I like to deal in stuff that I can deal with. I can actually you can see put a value on it. I can see it's not just numbers on the screen. It's it's just stock trading again. It's just a different. I don't see yeah. its value versus stocks versus cryptocurrencies. But I tell you what's weird about it. it. They do drops, okay? So you have to register to be a Top Shot uh, owner, if you want to call it that. And they do drops twice a month where you can buy a pack. So you don't know what you're getting. Mm. And that's how... So you may fall upon a clip, my understanding is, and then you can go and sell that clip. So a Jalen Brown, for example, someone got in a pack and overnight went from... It was just a regular dunk or a regular, you know... It went from $8 to $20 overnight. So... It'll be interesting to see how it goes, this one goes. Because we obviously know about Bitcoin growing and we know about all these different cryptocurrencies growing and we've had trading cards. So this is a meet in the middle is what I'm, I'm thinking. Mm. But 
the money flying around at the moment. I think it's generated something along the lines of 270 million at the moment. Um, it was only released in the fall, so yeah, you just keep your eyes peeled and, and if you're into it, maybe buy something. I know that we have a few um, listeners to the show that are heavily involved in, in, in trading and buying and selling and, and buying shares in GameStop, so look lads, get on it. Wheeler dealers. Buy one or two and we'll see we'll Harry, see how you progress. Maybe the show, Harry maybe the Red- show will buy one. Harry Redknapp a fan, is he? Harry dealer. Redknapp's a big fan, big fan, he bought him out his window. Puts on it, sits down and listens to the show with a jam roly-poly. <laughs> it's uh yeah look and but i suppose the unique thing about them as well is not only that only one person owns them but how many clips can be created every month in two drops think about how many games happen every month how many games happen a week yeah and there's only two drops every month i wonder how many clips are in one drop what justifies yeah. a clip like is there a minimum standard like like is there a length per clip like is there i think it's eight defined seconds, yeah. So it could literally be a coach calling a timeout. How useless is that? Yeah, it's... Look, yeah, it's just... We'll, we'll not my eye. thing. Not my thing. Have all the success in the world with it. All you want, but I'm not interested. <laughs> um, anyway. Moving on. My next. So my next headline is per the Irish Independent. So the headline is Brown Six Nations Paywall Fears Over CVC Deal Misconceived. So obviously... People aren't unaware. First off, Philip Brown is the Airview chief executive. But the TV contract for the Six Nations is coming to an end this year. The nations are in discussions with a company called CVC, which is a world leader in private equity and credit. So basically, they look to buy assets. And they're looking at... a, a buying a significant stake in the Six Nations now what it will likely mean and this is kind of where the sticking point is in the negotiations is not all but one game around will be on a subscription based service a la Sky a la an Amazon Prime who was the UK's broadcaster for the Autumn Nations Cup for the Six Nations in, in, in future years the company CBC have also already a presence as part owners for the Pro 14 and, and Premiership Rugby so they're kind of probably trying to build in a a bundle package, if that makes sense for all the, the, the rights there. Now obviously this has sparked a debate around the paywall. The move a move away from free to air fixtures will have long term consequences for the sport of rugby, not just in Ireland, but in all the nations within the six nations. I suppose it it got me thinking and I suppose it kinda of goes back to the NBA as well, but our paywalls a myth, especially when we look at the Premier League coverage. That's all behind the paywall, but yet it's still probably the most popular sport in the world. And just with how society is going, is the magazine highlight show a la a match of the day, a Sunday game, plus social media, the future for drawing in younger attentions, younger generations with the ever shrinking kind of attention span. Like it's one thing to touch upon an awful lot is. The NBA doesn't try and sell their games to the youth. It tries and sells dunks and highlight plays on Instagram, on social media, because that's who you draw in the youth. Like, how many six, seven, eight, nine, ten year olds sit sat down today and watched the full Ireland Scotland game? Like, actually watched that game. It's it it's I think it's 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 almost a 
young adult to adult pastime of sitting there and watching a full game. And with the saturation point we're probably reaching in terms of sports coverage, I keep bringing it up, but are paywalls, realistically speaking, a myth? Are we better off selling five, ten-minute packages of games, showing the best bits to draw in the kids? So you would, would you be saying keep the game free to air and sell the clips? Is that what you're saying? Or just sell the clips? No. No, I'm, I'm, I'm saying, like, the discussion around this is, is that even though it's only one game around, it would put up a paywall that would vastly be detrimental to the yeah. grassroots game in this country and other countries, whatever. But my question is, is the paywall such a thing? Like, does having subscription-based services for your sport, does that actually have a knock-on effect on the number of kids playing sport in a country? Like, has has the Premier League been on Sky for so many years and sell a tanta sports and Premier Sports and BT Sports and whatever other, NTL, whatever, Mm. Has that ever really had a detrimental effect on the number of kids up and down, not just this country, but the UK playing football on a Saturday, Sunday? Probably hasn't, has it? I don't think so. I think as a child, growing up, I never had Sky or anything like that. We were, you know, it was, we, never, we never had it. Um, but as you said, I tr- do my best to stay up for matches of the day. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think. Like, I I would have gone to a, like you know as a football fan, I would have gone to a League of Ireland game probably a lot of Fridays. Um, oh, I'm trying to think. Yeah, like when Liverpool were playing the FA Cup on BBC or anything like that. My God, was I hyped up to the nines? Do you know what I mean? Like mm. it was again. We come back to supply and demand. Like I didn't get to see Liverpool playing live every week as a kid, unless you know there were it was an FA Cup game or Champions League. Champions League. My God, I was pumped. Um. So I think, if anything, it's almost doing the opposite because I'm going, yeah, I can't wait to watch this game and then can't wait to replicate that on the weekend. Whereas kids are... I don't want to say they're absolutely blessed to have so many games because I think, if anything, it's detrimental to sport that there is so many games because kids are getting bored of it. Mm. You know, we've, we spoke about it on the show before in terms of us getting bored of sports and um, saturation and all that sort of stuff. I think kids are genuinely getting bored of so many football, so much football on. As I'm saying, they're better off just being, being shown the highlights packages, the the good plays, the. I like, think so. Lamella's goal today, for example. Yeah. Sure, that to a kid, give him a ball and tell him to go to the garden practice, and he'll do it. Yeah, hundred percent. Hundred percent. Ask him to perfect the high press, as explained by Roy Keane. Now, the one thing I would say is. Yeah, throw me back to 10, 11, 12 years of age having maybe an iPad or something like that where I could my parents could subscribe me to watch Liverpool's game solely for the season I think I'd be all out I think I would have got that as a child I think my parents probably wouldn't have had any problem in, in me having that either um, so again it comes back to your saturation of like if, if if I was 12, 13 and had the ability to only watch Liverpool games for a whole season so that's only 38 game but say a game a week would have been all over it if it was you know if it was a decent price that's a Christmas or a birthday present or whatever maybe it's a hundred quid I don't know whatever it might might be um, I think that's probably I think we're probably looking down the barrel of that now in terms of either club providing it or Amazon mm. providing it for a club maybe like you know 
you've got Amazon, yeah. you've got Amazon, Tottenham, Amazon, Arsenal, whatever. You, you wonder why it hasn't taken place, especially when you look at your NBA game pass, your NFL game pass, some smaller leagues have it. Like, I don't know why the Premier League has never adopted this Premflix model. They've discussed yeah, it a few times. You wonder how how in bed are the Premier League clubs with the Premier League? Like, to what extent will a Premier League club own their own rights? Or when will that happen? Like, is this because they're tied into the Premier League? Like, could Liverpool tomorrow go and say, right, well, we're doing, actually, we're actually going to do all our own games on Amazon this year? Uh, I, think it there. Is, I think it is centrally, centrally funded and the Premier League dictates when you play and as, yeah. as issues raised by Klopp. Now, it's within reason, and to be fair, there is a bit of governance in it. They can't just say, right, Liverpool, I know you played Wednesday in the Champions League, but we want you to play Friday night because we haven't had a good Friday night game in a while. Mm. So th- there is there is a bit of governance to it. Like Maybe at times it does get a bit shorter. A Saturday morning, early kickoff, I suppose. is raised by Klopp. But, yeah, I just... This, this paywall argument keeps getting knocked around for rugby and... The more I think about it, and the more I like, it just—is it really an issue? I can definitely—it—it'd be in terms of where they're coming from. In terms of, mm. but if it's if it's not on RTE, which it's not anymore, um, kids can't watch the Six Nations. They can't fall in love with rugby. They can't go and start. Like, to how many kids basically watch a sport randomly on TV and go, Do you know what? I'm gonna go into my local club and play. But we've already got a paywall on the Pro 14. Yeah, absolutely. And it's the Perfect. worst. It's probably the, the lowest subscribed service in the country because air are terrible at everything else. Like, I remember Wife, a time watching the Heineken Wife Cup on RT2. Yes. You know? Yes. And, and definitely used to have the highlight show as well. Yeah. Um. Look, I think there's probably... I think there's probably something... In similar to the League of Ireland past that's just come out to watch LOI, it's fifty nine euros and it's basically it works out it's sixty plus man it works out euro a game. I think there's definitely something to be had for a Six Nations version of that. Probably, like six weeks. What is it? Thirty six games? No, it's not. It's thirty games. Um, I think there's probably something in that that you could pay maybe thirty or fifty quid something reasonable. No. How many games did you say was in the Six Nations? I, I'm not going to repeat myself because I don't know. I think you said 30, did you? I said 30, yeah. I was going so five, by five. You don't play yourself. There's five, there's five rounds. Yeah. And it's three, 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 three games around. Three games around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah that's <laughs> I, was, I was doing quick math. Poor, ma- poor quick math. Yeah, no, no. Look, I just... I, 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 Would you pay 20 euro for the 15 games? But it's but it's not about... That's not a... Like, my point is saying, like, I don't is actually it? think not having free-to-air sports, would I ever turn around to me, would I ever go, do you know what, I actually can't see any rugby, so despite the fact that I have two left feet, can't play football, and I'm a big lad, I'm not going to play rugby. Does that, does that make sense? Just because I can't see it on the TV. I don't think that's, it's, think like it's an over-exaggeration. It's like the 2020 thing, can't see it, can't be it. That's Well, that's different though, I suppose. that's a dropout issue. Yeah, as opposed to a take-up issue, 
which yeah. again maybe the the paywall impacts on that but I just yeah I don't know I just would I'm it leave if, if Six Nations went to a paywall is there anything I'm just trying to think would there be anything left free to air rugby wise there wouldn't be would there well the, the, well, the discussion is and they're, they're stuck on this is to allow one game to go to a subscription service now I know it's a slippery sco- slope and all that yeah but it is yeah they probably but, won't, and, and, and rugby probably is going to need it after the pandemic, to be honest with you. But this is the thing, if you're, if you're 12 years of age and you're going to a, a Black Rock or a, a Michaels or a Terrenure or a like Clongos, are you going to sit down and watch Ireland-Italy? You're probably not, because the Ireland-England game is going to be behind that paywall. Ireland-Wales is probably going to be behind the paywall. England-Wales is going to be behind the paywall. Do you know, like, they're going to start, wait till you see the fixtures will be next to be changed. Another way we always play the two home games, the three away games, and then it flips the following year. The next thing will be, that'll be gone. Because mm. they'll the the paywall provider or service user they'll have to pick what game they want, I'd imagine. Mm. So that would be the next stage if that did happen. And they'll and they'll want their game at the same time each week. So yeah, they'll want be... it. Whatever the, the depending on what coverage they have, if if it's if it's Sky, for example, well, hold on a minute, we can't televise three pm kickoff, so let's have the Six Nations fixture three pm on. Thanks. Yeah, the North he'd be left with the Autumn Internationals against the Pacific Islands in USA or something. <laughs> yeah, they need to bring that Pacific Nations back. But look, anyway, look, it was just something that, that struck my attention. Is the paywall really a thing? And <coughs> maybe instead of fighting over free tier coverage, our rugby companies, our rugby unions should be better investing in a multimedia team mm. to fully capture the youth on all social media platforms, be that TikTok, be that Instagram, be that whatever. Maybe they should get top shot. No. Start selling their clips. (laughs) Anyway, coach, your second story for the week. Yeah. um, Look, we all know that we've got um, internationals coming up, be it if you think they should or shouldn't be taking place. I think there's a very strong opinion in the the public and and on this show that they most certainly should not be taking place. Um, In the last 24 hours, I'm going to say, 24, 48 hours... 48 hours um, we've had Aaron Connolly and Adam Ida, uh ruled out Adam Ida, ruled out of the World Cup qualifiers against Serbia so we obviously playing Wednesday week um, hoping to announce the squad I think after this weekend Stephen Kenny will sit down to announce the squad so that gives us an ever lengthening list of Aaron Connolly and Adam Ida, obviously that I've just mentioned um, but we also have Darren Randolph out with a hip injury and a knee injury two injuries at the same time Keegan Kelleher is has a stomach muscle problem, um, even of Liverpool. Kieran Westwood has broken ribs, but actually had a first game back today. So there's a goalkeeper gained. Johnny Egan has a dislocated toe with Sheffield. James McCarthy, made of Galaxy, um, is out with a groin. Jack Byrne, as we all know, over in Cyprus, out with a back issue, had a, an operation last week. Um, we don't know what's happened after this weekend either, um, and European games during the week. So you can imagine, you know. No one, no one comes out and declares that they're fit. They come out and declare that they're injured. So, worrying times for Stephen Kenny, who's still looking for a W, a, a, a competitive W. Um, I don't know. As a, I just don't know. It, it's similar to what you were saying about the Irish rugby team. I don't see where we're going with this. Uh, I don't mm. know what the next step is. I don't know who you bring in to make an impact. Um, I've taken the liberty of, of, of kind of noting down what I think... Or what I'd go with um, as our 11. Bearing in mind, I did do this on Friday. So Connolly is actually in my team. So 
maybe we, you might have a quick think if you can think of anyone. But in goals, I'm actually going to go with Gavin Bazunu. Um, formerly of Shamrock Rovers, on loan from Man City to Rochdale. He's actually played 26 after this weekend, 27 games this season starting. So even though he's only 19, he is playing the most out of all our goalkeepers. Now that Westwood's played today, it'll probably be Kieran Westwood getting the call. Um, we know Shamie Coleman is back in the looks of things. Ancelotti said last week that he was just keeping him out last week. I think um, he, he'll be in the squad, obviously. Uh, Matt Doherty, or Doherty, if you watch Sky Sports, was obviously playing today for Tottenham. Um, poorly. Poorly, but, yeah. That's probably yeah. the best way to, to put it. Um, I think he's every week that he's there, he's losing a little bit more. Uh, you know, he's just... The poor lad's a shadow of himself at Wolves. He never should have left. Darrow Shea of West Brom, I think, will go centre-half. Kieran Clark alongside him. Ender Stevens of Sheffield United. Josh Cullen, for those listeners who may not be versed to European football. Josh Cullen's currently playing Anderlecht under um, Vincent Company and doing a, a mighty fine job of it. He's actually captained them um, the last few times. Incredible player, defensive midfielder. Um, Connor Horahan playing for a club so close, so close to your hearts as... Uh, yeah. Banging in goals for Swansea. Conor Hurahan, I think, should be leading midfield. He, I think that's, that's an example of the correct transfer move for a player. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and alongside Jason Knight, who's who's obviously Derby's captain under Wayne Rooney at the moment. Um, doing incredible things there. Front three, as I said, I had Conley in there, but he was going to have to be chopped. Callum Robinson, I have on the right side. And here's one for you, Sasquatch. It might feel like the year 2018... Shane Long, I'm going with in the middle, through the middle. Uh, I know we've got Collins there from Luton Town as well, but I just think Shane Long has got back in the picture a little bit. Two goals at Bournemouth. Um, why, why out of interest, has David McGoldrick got no interest in playing anymore? I don't know. Um, I don't know the ins and the outs. I believe it was something to do with medical services in the FAI. I don't know how true that is. Um, it's just what you hear on the grapevine. Um Surely he could do with a break from his current situation. <laughs> Funny enough, though, two weeks ago he did change his profile picture back to him in an Ireland shirt. Um, don't know if you've seen a few reports on Twitter and stuff like that. Could mean absolutely nothing, um, or it could mean that Stephen Kenny's had a chat. But I would, I would say it means absolutely nothing. Just a good we, photo. We could do with him, I suppose, at present. Um, we could absolutely it, do with him. Yeah, it's getting harder and harder to name an Irish squad, and in addition, I don't think we've any Irish footballers anymore. Bar maybe James Coleman that are household names. Yeah, notable notable mention this weekend. Aiden McGeady is on fire for Sunderland the last few weeks, getting assists left, right, and centre, and the all go in League One. In League One, now I'm not saying put him in the squad. Troy Parrott also got his broke his duck at uh, Ipswich Town with a goal this weekend and a one 0 win. So I think we will see Troy Parrott in the squad. I don't wouldn't, know if we'd see him would, start. Wouldn't have issues with Troy Parrott in the squad. No, Aiden, I, I, Aiden McGeady unless unless Geo's back. Unless we're getting Geo back, I don't care. I would have a massive problem. I, I believe, from what I've heard, he, he's not great for uh, squad morale either, squad uh, unity. Who? But um, McGeady or Geo? McGeady, yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> look, the one I suppose that will take that left side role probably is James McLean. He's still playing at Stoke. Um, yeah. A lot of fans get angry when he plays because of his. His final balls and stuff, but I actually think defensively he's probably a good player for us. Has does have wild moments. That's the he, thing with with James McLean. It, it's more, yeah, it is. It's it's service and it's 
top two inches sometimes, but he's honest. Do you know what I mean? He does. He just generally give it his all. Like the the final product might be be there, but it's not from a want a lack of trying. I suppose so. I don't really have huge issues with him. He's yeah, not the outsiders a problem are probably Ronan McHale and Aaron McInef, possibly. Yeah. Horgan, Daryl Horgan, maybe. Yeah, throw Daryl in. He's he's not doing too bad, is he? No, it, it's he's at Wickham. Like it is what it is, but it's it's, mm. it's a toughie. It's a toughie. It's a tough time for for Stephen. And after this will be the first campaign back with Damien Duff gone as well. So, but on the I, bright I side, I don't, for I don't the players for the, in light of COVID and the halftime speech against England, they're all getting their complimentary COVID balaclavas. <laughs> Initialed and Everett man, they looked the look the job. Look the part, new Umbro campaign, is it? <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. Look, it's 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 a mess to be honest. But he inherited a mess, and it I kind of think the same sometimes about Farrell. Like Schmidt got out at the perfect time. He rode that yeah, he rode that squad to the last and left the Scraggs. It, it, look it comes back around to, well with the exception of football with the rugby it comes back around to that process doesn't it that four year and we've in Ireland have never done it right I don't think with the whole World Cup campaign cycle um, no um, we, we, we we make these mistakes the whole time Joe, we, we actually made the mistake with Joe Smith now we were okay but like you don't sign a contract with a coach before a World Cup you sign it after they did it with Declan Kidney and I'm almost certain they also did it with Eddie O'Sullivan you just you just don't do it just and that's maybe that's why we just go to a quarterfinal and come home. Yeah, well, you'd have to argue that is that what works for our Olympic side? You look at our boxers and stuff. That's always cycles, always yeah. cycles, yeah. and it works. It it should you know? be, it should be. It's like, yeah, it's it's not, it's not like a Premier League side where it's it's immediate, like whatever. It's it's a cycle. Like you, you've you you can't really change a program two years into a cycle either so you, you want to avoid that as well so a ma- an, an international rugby manager for six years is a disaster because either way you're going to be changing philosophies and, and manager in the middle of a World Cup cycle so yeah I, that's my personal belief is four year contract we can renew it but after the World Cup yeah if your performance is like if you win the World Cup yeah we'll have you for four years if you get to a semi-final yeah we'll have you if you lose in the quarterfinal and it's, you know, you lost to New Zealand because we did a tough draw and you lose with the points, yeah, that's fine. That's okay. But I'm not signing your contract before a World Cup. Yeah. But I need I need the I need the ball on my court. Mm. As the chief of the RFU, um, fictitiously. No fan questions this week. Um, unfortunately but we do we are running a competition in association with our partners our, our friends USA Sports so comment on Twitter there's a post on Twitter there's a post on Instagram I tag two friends and give USA Sports a follow on Twitter that's at USA Sports Merch or that's what one entry into the competition if you want to get your name into the hat three times what you need to do is you need to send us in a fan question and follow them on Twitter and that'll put your name into the hat three times which it's a chance to win a 2020 sideline knit from the NFL based on the available stock on USA Sports. I tell you what, there's a load of lads walking around that need a knit. Some of them barnets walking around and people can't get a hair go. Especially, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And look, given the time of year, we get them to do for next winter as well. But look, uh, 
Anything else to add, coach? We might call it there. No, I hope they all have a lovely week, all the beautiful listeners, be it in Sri Lanka, Bali, North and America. And of course, most important thing is, have a fantastic St. Patrick's Day. Yes. And enjoy your one-year anniversary of two weeks of flattening the curve. It's been wild. <laughs>